Welcome to the Lightning Round. Welcome. Hello. Welcome back. This is the Dave Kirshner Lightning Round, episode 17. Or as I like to call it, week 32 in the 46th Quadrennial Hunger Games. I am your host. Welcome to the shit show, folks. It. Uh, you don't even... You know, in the back of my mind, I thought, how badly can this guy really screw it up? He's an amnesiac. He's he's a he's he's a Alzheimer's. He's Parkinson's. He's you know he doesn't even know what day of the week it is. Well, I was friggin' wrong. He has done more to hurt this country. In 32 weeks, than any president has ever done prior to his installation on January 20th, which I still think was fraudulent. 40,000 votes, people. 40,000 votes across three to five states, depending on which ones you want to look at, swung that election, and we got stuck with this idiot. And here's what sucks if we remove him because he's lacking in mental capacity, we get stuck with cackling comrade Kamala. She's ten times worse. But I digress. We're not going to go into that just yet. I'm... I'm... <laughs> so... My uh, my summer hiatus is over. All of the female inhabitants of the home are back to school. And what do I have to say about that? I kid. I'm a kidder. <laughs> but that was funny. If you didn't smile or smirk or have a little giggle or chuckle, I got I got nothing for you. Cause let me tell you, when you when you live in a house full of women, they will tell you when you're doing something wrong. Every time. Dad, it's eight o'clock. Why do you have to be shuffling around in your slippers? Dad! my God, you make so much noise when you brush your teeth. Dad! <laughs> so, uh, our oldest is a sophomore in college. Dropped her off. And we tried to tell her when you're picking your dorm for next year, air conditioning is a good thing. <laughs> Did she listen? No! But Dad, I want to live with my friends and we want to live right here! Okay, kid, knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, 
the middle of August has seen a two-week heat wave in the state of Ohio. <laughs> and she's calling her mom, Mom, I got a movie. I got to go find a single. I got to go. <laughs> she does not call me. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> because my response would be, <laughs> I told you. <laughs> she didn't want to listen. So, you know what? Every decision that you make in life has consequences. That goes from my daughter choosing her dorm room and this country choosing a president. And it's becoming increasingly clear it's just as important as in who you pick as your governor. If, if I'm lying, I'm dying. If you don't take elections seriously after the first, oh, what is it, six months, 32 weeks, six months, six, 12, 18, 24, yeah, 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 roughly six months, um, you're not paying attention. If you stayed home and said, eh, Trump's got this in the bag. Eh, I live in a red state. Trump will never lose that state. Biden will never win that state. Eh. The next time we have an election, you better get off your ass and go vote. Because you staying home in some of those states that you thought were red or that were deep red... Uh, or your county was red, I don't care. Every single vote in every single state matters. And now the Democrats are all pissed off because, well, we're going for voter integrity. And we're taking away some of the tools that they used with their emergency powers that they illegally used to change how elections were handled because they bypassed their state legislatures. That's illegal. Where's my court cases? I, I, I don't understand why the GOP Republicans do what they do sometimes. It's painfully clear that the Democrats, A, are incapable of telling the truth about anything. They lie for the sake of lying because they like to hear themselves talk. If I'm lying, I'm dying. It's clear the Democrats took the rules for radicals and pumped it full of steroids. There is nothing that these people will not try to accomplish when you're looking the other way. Nothing. But for some reason, the GOP, conservatives, Republicans, whatever name you want to give them, still think that I the only I, I equate it to like. Uh, the British, when they were fighting the colonials, colonists, during the American Revolution, and they got upset when our 
freedom fighters, our extremists, our guerrillas, started picking off officers. That upset them beyond belief. Oh my word, of you people no culture. Why in the world would you remove leadership from the battlefield? The Republicans are behaving in the exact same manner. They think that because you're on differing sides of the aisle with a different political outlook on life, on this country, on society, that there are rules and it's a gentleman's game. Well, guess what? I don't, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm so fired up. I almost dropped an MFR. <laughs> um, guess what? It's not a gentleman's game. And if you want to save this country, you're going to get dirty. Your hands are going to get dirty. You're going to get down in the mud. And you're going to have to choke those little bastards out. You're going to need to drown them in a puddle that's only an inch deep. That's what it's going to take to win this country back. And I've been quiet all summer because I knew that if I fired up the old podcast machine and started recording when my kids were home, They'd have had me committed because I was so fired up with every single one of Biden's missteps that I'm amazed that I am not a raving alcoholic. It is beyond the pale what this guy did in six months. Yeah, we laughed about it before my summer hiatus. We were like, oh my God, what an idiot. Oh my God. Now they've gone and spent Trillions more dollars that we don't have. I'll tell you what. Um, uh, James Wesley Rawls wrote a whole book series. um, And most of his book series, the, the thing that happened that preceded his uh, narrative, his, his story was always a financial collapse. My book series started with a food collapse of the, uh, and then we had a financial collapse, and then we had an EMP. Okay, but the the premise behind that is government malfeasance. Okay, so if you had to pick any of the topics, any of the subject matter, subject lines, anything, if. If you had to choose between what was going to be the downfall of our society, was it going to be big ag? Was it going to be big pharma? Was it going to be an EMP, a nuclear blast, uh, uh, viral pandemic, financial collapse, just society getting out of control, rule of law, whatever. If you had to pick one that was going to torpedo every single thing in this country the one that makes the most sense that is the most uh, easily attainable mentally that you could wrap your head around would be a financial collapse because we're watching it in real time with every single one 
of these bills that the House is putting forward, every single one of them. Oh, we need this. Uh, oh, we'll just and, and oh, we're just going to wrap it in COVID relief. It's an infrastructure package. Really? Really? Have you read some of these things? It's not infrastructure. It's freaking gender studies and rural. Ah! I must take a moment to collect myself. And now we pause for some shameless self-promotion. If you like the show and are curious as to how my mind works, then pick up my five-part fictional series today. In a nutshell, over the course of When Rome Stumbles, Hannibal is at the gates by the dawn's early light, colder weather, and a time for reckoning, I crash the big ag and financial industries, unleash some jihadists and an EMP, then we spend 20 years trying to evade a socialist dictator. All five parts are available in paperback and electronic formats. Parts 1 through 3 are in audio format, and parts 4 and 5 will be in audio format by the end of the year. Now back to the show. All right, so... <laughs> oh, man, Biden, you know, I think I'm, I, I feel like I'm uh, beating a dead horse. Because if you're listening to this podcast, it means you were turned on to this podcast by John Jeffers through the Contra Radio Network. And um, there's a whole slew of, of us podcasters in that particular stable and, you know, most, uh, not most, all of us are on the right. And uh, most of us have a, a, a preparedness bent uh, or preparedness streak within us. So we're not telling you anything you don't already know uh, when it comes to the Biden administration. And the thing, the thing about all of the stuff he's done for the last six months is that uh, as somebody who recognizes and realizes how very fortunate and lucky we were to have been born in this country that we will never know what it means well we thought we'd never know what it means to live in a socialist society with despotic rule. But unfortunately, COVID happened. And we're seeing firsthand what the left is trying to accomplish, which is enlarge the size of the government to the point where it collapses under its own weight. I actually, I think they're trying to collapse it because it's the only way they can get in the rest of the crap that they want to try and uh, pedal and shove down our throats. You've got it with uh, vaccine passports. You've got it with, oh, I saw a um, uh, uh, school district out in uh, the state of Washington where the athletic boosters paid for ankle monitors for the athletes so that they would have, this, is, this was their reasoning, so that they could have real-time tracking of the athletes within that school for um, uh, tracing, uh, COVID tracing. If somebody popped positive, they would know exactly which players were within proximity. 
And the monitors have an alert system, which will beep at the student if they're more than six feet, or if they're closer than six feet from somebody else with another monitor on. So it keeps them all socially distanced, and it provides tracking. So we have just now, we've, we've turned our children into parolees, and we are raising some of, I, the, there's no way about this, so it's going to be probably the dumbest generation that we've had in a really long time, because the left was so hell-bent on, follow the science, follow the science. See, here's the thing about science. It's constantly changing. Constant. It's a, it's, oh, it drives me nuts. My wife and I go round and round about this because she's like, oh, it's a vaccine. I'm like, it is not. Polio is a vaccine. This is a flu shot. And then, now they said, oh, we got to have a booster. <laughs> Nope, I've never gotten a flu shot. Not doing that. Nope, not doing it. I'm out. Scram. But I digress. So, um, you know, God, what a mess. What a mess. If Trump can get impeached for a phone call, how is this idiot still in charge? He literally surrendered to the Taliban. 20 years and umpteen trillion dollars later, they left millions if not billions of dollars of hardware in Afghanistan and said, no mas, I'm tapping out, we quit. Here, have fun with that. It just drives me absolutely crazy. So uh, we're gonna shift gears now because you already know what's going on with Biden. He sucks. Kamala sucks. Pelosi's even worse than both of them. She's the one, she's the little Machiavellian nut job behind the scenes pushing the buttons. Uh, if it's not some of the other Obama holdovers that came back into the White House when Biden took over, I just it is baffling that this idiot is doing the things that he's doing. So um when the people in, in uh, Cuba, you know, there isn't, I mean, we're already on the topic of socialism and communism. When the people in Cuba started protesting and they, they're trying, like the Dickens, to try and get their freedoms back. After Fidel and his family went through and took over power and their whole revolution down there. And, and the Bernie Sanders... And the squad, they, oh, I hear nothing, I see nothing, um, I say nothing. They are uh, remarkably silent on all of that. So, um, I needed a way to, I don't know, get it out of my system, how irritated I was uh, during my little summer hiatus. And uh, I'll talk to you in a second about what I did over the course of the summer. Um, and it's just, just, I, uh, so what I wound up doing was writing an article. Um, 
And uh, so I'll, I'll read that to you. But basically, the uh, the title of the article is Capitalism and Meritocracy versus Communism, Socialism, Bernie and the Squad. And um, so here it goes. So, uh, and this is, I'm, quote. So, just to level set, I came from a military family. I've had family members in the military going back multiple generations for over 100 years. As a result, when I see and hear sitting members of Congress, like Senator Bernie Sanders and the squad of House members, espousing the merits of socialism, communism, and Marxism, or declaring that the principles associated with these various forms of government and repression just haven't been implemented correctly, it truly causes me to seethe and see red. Granted, my family and the families of millions of Americans have fought for this country just so we can preserve the right of some to say stupid stuff. But it still causes me to pause and take a few deep breaths before speaking. <laughs> what these congressional members fail to recognize and understand is that, for better or worse, the United States, even with all of its faults, is a constitutional republic employing a mixed market capitalist economy that is a meritocracy at its core. In simple terms, meritocracy is the idea that people get ahead based on their own accomplishments rather than, for example, on their parents' social class. This is the heart of the American dream that members of Congress seem hell-bent on destroying, all in the name of some demented understanding of the words fairness and equity. With the exception of one squad member, all are natural-born United States citizens. The one that is not is now a naturalized citizen who previously hailed from a highly corrupt East African hellhole known as Somalia. Even that nation defines its form of government as a federal parliamentary republic. Therefore, none of these members of Congress have ever lived under the oppressive yoke of communism, socialism, or Marxism. But yet, they want to trash the country that has literally provided them with everything, like multiple homes, flush bank accounts, full closets, refrigerators and freezers, a peaceful night's sleep without fear of being charged with insider trading, a robust retirement package, and access to a gold-plated Cadillac health plan that the rest of the citizenry pay for but do not have access to. In spite of all of these perks of being a U.S. citizen and a sitting member of its congressional body, they still want to push and cajole us in, to move toward one of these forms of government. A form of government, mind you, which has never worked by any degree or measure in any country where it has been implemented. How's Venezuela doing these days? How's Cuba doing after 70 years of communism? What's the life expectancy in North Korea again? Senator Sanders points to his beloved Scandinavian countries as examples of where socialism has worked. Unfortunately for the senator, the very countries he's pointing to, Norway, Sweden, and Finland, have publicly rebuffed him and his assertions and declared, we are not a socialist country. It's shocking to me, and perhaps it shouldn't be, that none of these progressive members of Congress remembers, or at a minimum, has read about Boris Yeltsin's visit 
to a Texas grocery store in Houston in 1989. See, here's the thing. All of the Soviet premiers and members of the Politburo knew that capitalism was a better economic engine than the strict state controls inherent to communism. They also knew that if the Soviet people ever saw what they themselves had seen as they traveled the world for 50 years, their grip on power and leadership would falter and collapse. And it did. Two years after Boris Yeltsin visited that little Texas grocery store, the Soviet Union ceased to exist. Day in and day out, we see and hear Congress members, as well as has-been celebrities and athletes, promoting one of these despicable forms of government. They never just come out and declare, I love socialism, or socialism is good and that's what we need. But they are making these very statements through their actions. A good example of this is when they distance themselves from supporting the Cuban and Venezuelan people when they protest and riot and try to get their rights back. These people are actively trying to make a positive change toward freedom of all things, and these progressives won't give them the time of day. They openly rebuff any course correction out of socialism, communism, and state control toward capitalism, democracy, and free markets when they wear certain things like Fidel Castro or Che Guevara t-shirts. They continue to their blind obedience to the brainwashing and radicalization when they don't speak out about products that they are approached to endorse. Instead, all they see or saw are dollar signs. A lot of dollar signs. So they ink their name to that contract, jam their fingers in their ears, and put on horse blinders. To them, status and cash in the bank is more important than the conditions and labor practices where the products they endorse are manufactured. Namely, Asian sweatshops by children. If you dig around and look, you'll notice some interesting things about protesters opposing their governments today. First off, if they aren't actively being hunted, detained, disappeared, or shot, they can be found chanting and cheering for change while waving American flags. You heard me, that's right, American flags. They're waving those for a multitude of reasons. In my opinion, however, I believe the primary reason they are waving those flags is to garner support from the United States government itself. They want the U.S. military to swoop in and depose or topple their government because it's not fair. It is not equitable. It is corrupt to the core, and they have likely voted for some of it in one form or another, and then it just went off the rails. This is typical and the historic path for socialism. Socialism is usually voted into existence piece by piece over time until it consumes everything in its path and you have to shoot your way out of it. Communism is usually installed via revolution, a la Russia, China, Cuba, Vietnam, and Cambodia. Cambodia, of course, is a puppet democracy. Returning to the topic of the protesters now, Senator Sanders and the squad are choosing to ignore them because they want oppression. They want divisive and distinct social classes full of haves and have-nots. Because why not? They're part of the haves. They want subservience to and dependence on the government. They want the government to control everything about a country's economy. Of course, they never come out and say this directly, but when they don't publicly voice support for the protesters, they are saying all of the above. 
Those that choose not to protest vocally in these countries are choosing to flee instead. How many flotillas have arrived on our shores from Cuba in the last 50 years? That's a number likely in the thousands. Now, how many flotillas have returned to that little island disaster, carrying U.S. citizens that have chosen to live under the unitary Marxist, Leninist, one-party socialist republic form of government? Exactly zero. I truly do not understand how you can live in, quite literally, the freest country on the face of the planet in the history of the planet and hate it so much that you want to destroy it. I truly do not understand why these people simply don't get on a boat, plane, train, or simply drive to the border, turn in their passport, renounce their citizenship, and try and make a living in a place like, oh, I don't know, North Korea, China, Russia, Cuba, Venezuela, or some select Middle Eastern countries. The reason they don't is simple. They know that they can say and do the most ridiculous, inane, cancerous, vitriolic, and destructive things, and they'll remain free to continue to do so and carry on with their antics. If they were to try any of these things in any of the countries or regions I just noted, if they weren't detained as a spy upon entry, they would surely be detained and or disappeared for their vocal opposition to the government. Free choice, free will, free expression, etc. does not exist in these countries, and our benevolent leaders on Pennsylvania Avenue and those skulking the halls of Congress are too busy trying to turn our country into one of these disasters. They're too busy granting interviews espousing the merits of socialism and wantonly ignoring the active protests in these countries to see that these people need acknowledgement at a minimum and help at a maximum to accomplish the worthy goal of trying to be free. End quote. So, yeah! Elections have consequences. It's the one thing Obama said that was true. And it's not just about national elections. It's not just about the quadrennial presidential vote. It has to do with every single election, whether it's a school board filling an empty vacant seat because somebody retired or died or got arrested. It's every single election. And it's no mystery that the reason a lot of states haven't come under the despotic rule of governors like Newsom in California and Gretchen what's-her-butt up in Michigan, and, well, it used to be Como in New York, but <laughs> he's not there anymore. The reason you only have those types of actions statewide is because in most states, Republicans control the state legislature. They may have a Democrat in the governor's mansion, but most of the states are controlled by Republicans. Why? How is it that the states can be controlled by Republicans, but on a national election, we get stuck with people like Obama and Biden and Comrade Kamala and it, it, get out and vote, people. Just get out and vote. Taking a break. And when we come back, I'll tell you all the 
<laughs> fun crap I did over the summer. <laughs> and now we pause for some shameless self-promotion. Do you want to know more about what makes me tick? Then go to my website at davidjkirshner.com and read about my latest adventures on the blog, discover what books and websites I recommend, download my research white papers, find the latest episode of the podcast, and discover more recipes that were not in my Just a Small Gathering book. Or perhaps you want to contact me for advice, ask a question, or make a suggestion, then go to the contact page of my website at davidjkirshner.com. Best of all, everything is free. Now back to the show. All right, so it was summer. What did you do, Dave? Well, um, I spent a fair amount of time dealing with water mitigation. Um, it, I, uh, I love water. Water makes everything grow in my garden. It helps refresh my body, heart, mind, and soul. But for the love of all things holy and good, it drives me absolutely insane dealing with it around my house. So, I don't know, about 15 years ago, we did the, we had our, our uh, upstairs bath remodeled. And, uh, yeah, well, part of that reason is when we bought the house from my wife's mother, uh, every time a little piece of grout came out, she was filling it with little dabs of caulk. And since I used to, you know, be in the construction industry, I thought, well, shit, I'll just, I'll just re-caulk it or re-grout it. And, but I didn't know about the caulk. So when I went to go re-grout it, I got out my little Dremel tool and I got my little, uh, uh, grout cutter out and it started going. I got the back wall and I got three quarters of the of the large sidewall panel, which was all, you know, tile, and I kept snapping off bits, and I was like, what is going on? I kept snapping off bits, and I got to, I was probably about my fourth bit, and I guess I found that one lock pin, because <laughs> all of the tile came crashing down on me in the tub, and I was like, oh my god, what's going on? Uh, long story short, mentioned it in passing to the mother-in-law, and she goes, "Oh well, every time caulk, every time grout came out, I just put a little caulk in there." So the, I was hitting twenty-plus-year-old caulk. That's why it was snapping off all of my grout bits. So that would have been important, useful information. But now I've got a bathroom that's exposed down to the wood lath, and you know I'm just like, "Oh!" So we did the bathroom. We had it remodeled. Well, after 15 years of use, the patch that apparently the manufacturer put in on one of the corners of the tub let go. And so it started dripping. And then I had plaster falling into the half bath in, in the, that's below it. And I was like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. So we did the remodel. We got new tile, got a new tub. Everybody's happy, you know, then I have this patch is starting to let go. But before the patch let go, this is, I had to, oh, the guys who did the tile, they ran the tile all the way down flush tight to the back of the tub, the non-fixture side. 
And then they kept it level as they ran that course all the way across the top of the tub. Well, when you got to the fixture side, I have a 3-8 inch gap between the top of the tub and the bottom of the tile. That's a huge gap to fill with caulk. So I've been shoving foam backer rod in there and then caulking the heck out of it. And But i got to change it like every quarter. I actually have a reminder on my calendar to change the, to swap, the, to clean it out, dry it out, and then replace it. Because here's what happened. That caulk joint was so big that water was getting behind the caulk joint, running along the lip of the tub behind the tile, over to the edge of the tub, running down the leg of the tub, meaning like the, the solid upright wall that houses the tub, and it was dripping onto the subfloor underneath the brand new tile in the bathroom and it it made the first hole in the ceiling in the half bath and we were like this is crazy and we have tried to fix it multiple times so that's hole number one in my my half bath in the in the in the first floor and then the patch that was on the opposite side of the of the tub on the on the handle side or the the like the soap dish side the long wall um so it made a second hole in the ceiling. So, I mean, we've had plumbers out here, and we finally had a plumber that came out. I mean, I, I can do all kinds of stuff, man, but I am not a plumber. I am not an electrician. And I did everything. I mean, we had the tile guy come out, and he said, man, this is not a tile issue. This is a, this is a plumbing issue. you got a leak coming from somewhere. I cut holes in the – I cut a hole in the wainscoting on the backside of the fixtures to put in an access panel. Dry as a bone. Anyway, uh, you know what? Just I'll sum it all up for you. I got three friggin' holes that I got to deal with that are that are allowing water to get out of the bathroom and into the half bath below it. So, hole one is the the problem is the the caulk joint and it's dripping through the subfloor. And it's not like subfloor. My house was built in the 40s, right? So I don't have 4 by 8 sheets of plywood uh, or tongue and groove, anything. It, they literally, they put it in the floor joist, and then they put down diagonal uh, planking, 8, 10-inch uh, wide planks. So there, And there's gaps in between them because then they just put hardwood down on top of that. So hole number one is the caulk joint problem. Hole number two... The tub had been repaired by the manufacturer in the plant, and after 15 years of scrubbing and cleaning tubs, that patch wore off. So now, you know, I have an older daughter who, you know, she's five feet tall. She can literally submerge herself in the tub, uh, and she likes to take baths. So that's how we found that one. <laughs> the plumber came out, filled the tub with about four inches of water, and then he went downstairs and just shined a flashlight through one of the two holes I have in the ceiling down there. And he's like, oh, look at that. That's your, that's your problem right there. And then about a month later, uh, uh, the third hole appeared, and it was a crack in the fiberglass about an inch away from the drain. And it, I don't know how it got there. It wasn't part of any kind of patch. It was, you know, I have no idea. So I called a, a company called, uh, oh, shoot, what's the name? Miracle something or other. And they came out, and for $400, they came in and did what's called a uh, bathtub bottom rebuild. 
So the guy came in, he did some cutting, did some drilling. I mean, it smelled like a, like a paint booth at a at an auto repair shop. I mean, it was epoxy resins and fiberglass and Bondo. And I mean, this guy, I mean, they've got a process and it works. So for $400, I got the whole bottom of my tub redone. So now I have no more leaks coming from the tub. And then uh, in two weeks, the tile guy's coming and they're going to run uh, a little course of bullnose across the top of my tub to seal that joint, to give me that, that tiny joint for caulk instead of that massive 3 8 inch crap. So, and then they're going to regrout uh, a good portion of the floor where over time the water has whittled it away. So that, that, that is my, my water mitigation story number one. <laughs> story number two. My daughter and her, let's just call him a friend who's a boy. <laughs> They're in the basement. They're watching a movie. And there's a huge thunderstorm outside. My wife and I are, you know, standing in the front window, looking outside, looking at the river of water going down the street. And my daughter comes upstairs and says, hey, Dad, the, uh, the window well is filling up with water. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, here we go. So, in a driving rainstorm, thunder and lightning, rolling down the hills, I'm out there on my knees behind the shrubs with a bucket. And I am just heaving water out of this window well. Thinking, what in the world is going on? At first... I was content to blame my wife because she had taken the window well cover off of the window well and threw it out because it had become faded in the sun. There was a small crack in it. Um, this was all, this is, I found this out after the fact when I went out there and there was no window well cover. But, after the water had been removed to the point where it was not going to get any higher and possibly come in the little vent that's in the glass block window for the basement, um, I look up and, and water is just, I mean, it is pouring over the side of my gutter. Which is, you know, when you have a torrential rain, that is not uncommon, okay? But... It gave me cause for concern. So, I took uh, last Friday off. And I waited for my wife to go to school. I got my daughter out of the house. She's off to school. The other one's at college. And I went I dug out my ladder, my 24-foot my extension ladder, with my little spreader arms there for stability. And I proceeded to go and check all of my gutters and I have gutter guards right so I bought a box of gutter guards from like Lowe's or uh, yeah Lowe's and it was like a box of like 50 of these three foot long gutter guards you just slide them up the up underneath the bottom course of the shingles and then they just clip into the to the front of the gutter and they're great they're easily removable I don't need a drill or anything and they've got um 
like a wire mesh on there, and then they've got the reinforcement kind of diamond-shaped pattern. You know, it, it, it lets plenty of water in. So I'm thinking, you know, where I sit in my office, I can see right down the gutter line uh, for the for the gutter that's above my my garage. And I had noticed from time to time that I saw birds on the end of the gutter. And I thought, well, that's weird. Maybe they're just taking a rest. But well, no. Went up on the ladder, went straight to the downspout uh, side of the, of the gutter, took the little gutter guard off. And sure enough, from the downspout to the end of the gutter, the birds had filled it with so much debris and made nests and, and the whole bit. And I was like, you, oh. So I got all of that stuff out of there, poked my head down the line. Sure enough, the rest of the gutter line is, is pretty clear on the, on the gutter above the garage. And so I have this green mesh uh, that I use um, in gardening. So what I, I want, I just got out my little, my little tin snips, and I went up there with a, with a patch of, of, uh, of the wire mesh. And then I proceeded to cut and shape and mold it so that when I put the gutter guard back on, the birds couldn't come in the end of the gutter between the top of the gutter and the angle of the, of the gutter guard. And then I went and did the one that's above the window well. And I, I, I have no explanation for it other than to say the freaking tree rat squirrels got up there and they literally chewed a, a about a two inch wide, three inch long channel so that they could get into the gutter. For some reason, I get maybe they're going after the bird nest that was in there, or they were trying to make a nest for themselves in there. I, I don't know, but they had literally chewed through the the little gutter guard that was up there. So uh, I did the same thing on that side. I got that all cleaned out, and then I put in my little my little green mesh to kind of cover the gap there at the end. And then I was like, I wonder, you know, and I started looking. I pulled up the next gutter guard down, and uh, I saw firsthand what the scientific principle or the biological or ecological principle called succession looks like. Now, mind you, I have gutter guards, so there should not have been any debris or trash in the gutter. But because the ends of the gutter were exposed... Wildlife could get in there, and apparently they got in there enough to the point where they had brought in enough trash, leaves, leaves, uh, sticks, twigs, uh, you know, I, I, I found a bunch of, like, hay bale. I, I don't even know where they got that. And so I wound up having to clean 25 feet of gutter, three to five feet at a time. I'm just scooping out this slop that was in there, and... I gotta tell you, I was I was I was not happy, and but I got the I got it all cleaned out. I got it all hosed out. Uh, I got my new end caps on there, and and sure enough, you know, about three four days later, we had another torrential downpour, and I mean, I I was in a meeting uh, on a on a Microsoft Teams call, and. I, I literally, I just, I put them on mute and I went downstairs to my basement and I just stared at that glass block window 
and just looked in to see if water was building up in my in my window well and sure enough it was not i had i had fixed the problem which was crap in the downspouts crap in the gutters and you know so it's part and parcel of being a homeowner i get it but it you know i really still have a bad taste in my mouth from when we Remodeled our house, and we updated our kitchen, and we and we finished the basement, and the the plumber. I mean, he just got out a damn concrete saw, and he just cut a two and a half wide path from the shower drain that we were we were installing a full bath down there, and they, they he just cut this huge swath right out of the concrete in the basement, and we were already kind of close to the water table, and we had just had the carpet laid and we got torrential rains in the spring of, of 2017 and because I was sitting right on top of the water table water literally came up between the seams of the new concrete and the old concrete there was so much turgor pressure water will find the simplest and easiest path every single time so after being reassured by my contractor that we did not need a sump pump, guess what I did? I went and had a damn sump pump installed. Not only did I have a sump pump installed, I had a backup pump installed and I had a battery backup installed in case we lose power because I live in a suburb that has aerial power lines and when we get strong storms, uh, ice storms, uh, Alberta clippers, now they call them Derricos, and actually now they're naming the winter storms because like, it's more sensational that way. But I, I, ugh, just these water problems just drive me absolutely bonkers. So that was the, I don't know, we went on vacation, we went to the beach for a week, and we went and saw friends, and, and uh, you know, because we needed... We needed to get the hell out of this state. We needed to go return to some semblance of normalcy. Um, and so we did that. You know, we went to the pool a couple times. You know, it just, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just want to, I, do, I did a lot of planning <laughs> for fall and winter. It's what I wound up doing. But, um, but I'm back. The show's back. The hiatus is over. Um, I am, I've got a good friend of mine and I've mentioned him before, but, uh, he and I had a, a very, uh, rewarding text exchange, uh, and he's agreed to come on the show. He's a small business owner. He owns a couple restaurants, so he's in the food and beverage business. He's in the HR business because when you own restaurants, you're no longer the head chef. Now you're the HR manager, um, you know, dealing with, um, Biden and his inflation and inability to hire people because nobody wants to get a job because states are still paying people to stay home, um, making it more rewarding to sit on their couch than it is to actually do something with their lives and their day. Um, so we had a very wide-ranging uh, text exchange dealing with supply line um, issues and uh, just-in-time inventory and inflation and pricing and hiring and and you know what COVID did to him and his business. Um, so 
Uh, I want to get him on here probably in the next week or two. I got to nail him down for some time, and I got to figure out how to record an interview. <laughs> Maybe it's Skype. I'm not sure, but uh, I got to figure out how to do that and record that. So, um, and then we're I, I started doing a review of uh, the Federalist Papers, and so we did the first one. Actually, technically the first, I think it's six. They're all kind of introductory, like, here's why you should ratify the Constitution, and here's what this piece means, and, well, the, the rest of the Federalist Papers define what each of the sections address and and what the the text within the Constitution actually means. They define it, um, and they put a pretty little bow on it for people to understand. Uh, so we're going to go back to that. Um, and, oh, James Wesley Rawls and his website, Survival Blog, um, they do a running um, writing contest, if you will. And I won honorable mention for an article that I sent in about orchards. Um, so if you want to read that, it's, it's, um, it's basically uh, what I had to say about orchards in my book, Preparing to Prepare. Um, but with some added extra information, um, you know, once you write something, and maybe people don't know this, but once you, you actually write something, I mean, you're never satisfied with it. You're always looking at, um, you know, is there a better way I can say this uh, to make it easier for people to understand? Or, ooh, I learned something a little bit different, and I need to say it, I need to include that, but that has impacts to this section or this paragraph and and so I'm constantly tinkering and 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 working on that stuff so uh, we got a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about this year of course Biden he is an absolute idiot and he has screwed up every single thing that he's touched and we'll be covering those over the course of uh, the school year uh, which is pretty much my broadcast schedule <laughs> so uh, you know when the when the wife and kids are home there's no show that week it's that simple. Um, so that's how we're going to do that. Uh, my daughter's a senior, my youngest daughter. We are one year away from being empty nesters. We're already planning our first vacation without them. <laughs> yeah, we are. So you guys have a good week. We'll talk next week. And stay safe. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. Hunger Games, and may the odds be ever in your favor.